0: Hello, hello, and welcome to High Low with Emrata. It's Thursday, and that means it's a brand new Emrata ass. This week, we are talking about jealousy and gender roles with some clips from my conversation with the wonderful and esteemed Esther Perel. If you're new to the show, let me explain. On Thursdays, we do the Emrata Ask where we do a deep dive into a topic that's been on my mind. Um, it could be related to current events or a recent interview or just something I've been thinking about. And every Thursday, I also do a subscriber-only talkback episode where I answer your questions and respond to your comments in depth. Click the free trial feature on Apple Podcasts to check it out. Subscribers also get to hear all episodes ad-free. So before I get into the meat of this week's episode, I just want to thank everyone who has already listened to or watched my interview with Esther Perel, published earlier this week, and a special out, shout out to everyone who shared the episode or left some feedback. If you haven't gotten a chance to check out, sorry guys, Sly is with me, so you might be hearing him in the background right now. If you hadn't gotten a chance to check out the episode yet, go give it a listen or watch it on the Emirata YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. So this week I'm just playing um, a few of the clips from that conversation with Esther Perel um, because there were just so many that we didn't get to share. So this is sort of the extended version So, in the first clip, we are discussing the topic of jealousy. What about jealousy? Because I know that, you know, there's a really beautiful part of your writing that I think is true about otherness and separateness and the existence of having your own life because that allows room for desire, right? Because there's a part that's mysterious. But jealousy can be this, you know, I think we at least associate it, you know, in the West as this very ugly shameful emotion to experience. It's often a sign of insecurity. Can jealousy be something
1: positive? Mm -hmm. So I will divide this not as in West. And I think that um, the the difference is between North America and South South, America. You just have to go to the Latin world. It's a compliment to be jealous. Yes, it's mm -hmm. part of love. It's an intrinsic dimension of the experience of love involves jealousy, you know. What it does here is jealousy means dependency. Jealousy means neediness. Jealousy means insecurity. Jealousy is the opposite of that self-sufficient, stoic, Protestant, you know, identity. That's a very different uh, definition of jealousy. You know, jealousy has been taken out of magazines, you know, in the U.S. It's very interesting, the history of this term, how much it is part and parcel of relationships and how much is seen as, as, the thing you ha- you're you ashamed of, you hide, and then there is pathological jealousy, right? It's like, so I go to work in Argentina, in Mexico, in Chile, and I'm just like, it's a whole different conversation about jealousy. It's uh, It's robust, and if you are not jealous, I start to wonder if you actually really love me. I mean- You're not jealous enough. It's it's twisted or it's it's totally on its head.
0: So do you think that North America should change its ideas around jealousy?
1: I think North America needs to change its idea around individualism Mm. and self-sufficiency and self-reliance and self in front of so many other things. That is probably more the issue, you know, than the jealousy itself. Um, there's a, a, it's a whole world jealousy, right? I mean, Shakespeare wrote plenty about it. It's a, it's a whole world, but to just see it as the thing that shows my one down, it's really put in that and dependency is one down is a very interesting thing rather than, you know, to need people is part of being human, right? and not
0: as shameful as right. we're made to believe. And to
1: feel bad when you lose them or to feel insecure when you're afraid of losing them. Of course, you know you should be a little bit afraid of losing them because they don't belong to you. And because you could lose them anytime, always, that's part of life, that's part of love. And that's a much harder thing to live with.
0: And it's part of desire, right? Which is yes. what you've written extensively about. I love how she reframes jealousy given different cultures. And I do think there's so much shame um, in the U S around jealousy. And it's this like embarrassing emotion to experience, but shouldn't necessarily be that way. Or at least there's other ways to look at it. Okay. And this next one, I'm actually asking Esther about her own marriage. Okay. My last question. (laughs) I mean, you're a public figure and I respect your privacy, but you've been married for so long. What has your how is your work come into play in your marriage does it
1: yes of course it does you know i was doing another interview earlier and one of the questions was what is a perfect partner so i turned to my husband and i said what's a perfect partner <laughs> anything but me <laughs> it's like we you know we, if you live with somebody for 40 years, you really don't think of them as your perfect partner. Of course. What's the perfect partner? The partner who is aware of all their imperfections.
0: I think that people will have a fantasy about you as having, you know, having a perfect partner because they turn to you for advice and they understand the way that you're thinking about sex and relationships and love and desire and eroticism and just life, really. That feels so refreshing. So what are the what are the kind of things that you deal with that you know, that just it doesn't matter. it's still there's still work in progress.
1: So you know what's interesting is that um, there are people who do what I do who speak a lot about themselves. And I don't do much of that because I really think that what I found that and that works for me works for me. I'm not here to impose a model on people. And I talk with you, and that doesn't mean I think I'm right. Mm. It's how I think today, I'm sure of nothing. But I've sat in this space for decades, and it changes, and I'm humble, and I learn all the time. Mm. And I want people to learn and find the thing that works for them. I know that there is, are things that I've said that resonate, like. There are people, there are love stories and there are life stories. There are people you can love and people you make a life with. Mm -hmm. And there are many more people you can have a love story with than people you could probably make a life with. I knew when I met him that I could have a life with him. That I can say, because it doesn't impose my truth, my way onto you. I'm not like that. Um, I think that I understand that when I write about the need for security and the need for freedom, I explain that any one of us, you know, finds ourselves needing one more than the other. In my relationship, I have a particular dynamic around how differentiated we see ourselves, how much we come together on certain things and have our own interests and things that, you know. And But that, I know that other couples prefer to live with a Venn diagram that is completely overlapping And that is the one that suits them. Mm -hmm. So my message is think about it, see what works for you, see how you've changed and see what is the relationship that offers you the structure and the depth and the meaning and the richness and the playfulness, Mm -hmm. the most you can. When you asked me earlier on about my family, you know, and I, my family is a story of trauma. Right? And so I asked them, how do you recover from trauma? And typically the model these days is that you work on the trauma. And when you have done that, then you can begin to experience life again Mm -hmm. and joy and pleasure. And and the thing, the most important thing I learned from my parents was that in the middle of the concentration camp, they had love stories. Mm -hmm. They sang they wrote poetry, they looked at nature, they dreamt, they spoke to their family in their mind and things like that. And I just thought this notion that in the midst of pain, you also affirm life and joy, that I apply to when we fight. I apply it when I work with couples who are shattered by the experience of affairs. I apply it when couples come in in a situation of total sexual impasses or emotional impasses. Playfulness is extremely important. I love to laugh with my partner, for example. I mean, I think it's it's somebody who keeps you laughing 40 years later, it's not a bad deal. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it matters to someone else.
0: I think what you're saying and what I really respect about your work so much is that there is an underlying philosophy and approach to life that can be applied that is about seeking pleasure in so many different ways and making the most of your life. And if you're able to do that with your partner, however you need to, for the particulars of your situation, then you might have a shot, right?
1: Yes, and I will add one other piece, which I know is probably the thing that I said when I wrote Mating in Captivity, that really caught people is you cannot ask one person to give you what an entire village should provide. And that I still stand by. That applies to me, but I also think it's true for people. You you really need a community of people. If you can't talk with your partner about something, it's okay. Find somebody else. Stay
0: tuned for more High Low with Emrata. Welcome back to High Low with Emirata. And this last one is a little bit shorter, but I thought it was both really interesting and kind of of particular relevance given some of the recent conversations we've had here around gender roles and performance. How do you feel about the way we're moving away from traditional gender roles, um, at least trying to as a culture?
1: Uh, It has many aspects to it. The first thing that comes to mind is it's refreshing. Mm. Because even when I described until now, I made it very binary like this. And, um, and I really do think masculine, feminine can be in the body of, but it is an interesting question. What is the notion, what does fluidity represent beyond just the abolition of these binary systems? Is there something, is fluidity defined by what it is not? Mm. Or does fluidity become defined as something else? And I think that that's the question that is always interesting is we know the systems we need to untie, to loosen up, to dissolve. But after that, what is the new form that it takes? And I don't know that we have that answer yet.
0: Right, we're still interacting with the classic ideas of femininity and masculinity, even while we're striving towards queerness. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. I hope that satisfied your Esther cravings. Um, go to Hilo.fm to send your thoughts on what we've talked about. You can also call or text the highlow hotline at 42 highlow 4. Or if you're listening on Spotify, weigh in using the Q&A feature. And also you can obviously use the hashtag Hilo. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or at highlow.fm to listen every Thursday. Hi Low with Imrata is a Sony Music Entertainment and Bitch Era media production. Our executive producers are me, Emily Radikowski, Matt Raz, and Sarita Wesley. Our showrunner is Matt Raz. Our associate producer is Rachel Choder. Today's episode was engineered by Samantha Gatsick with original music by The Crystal Pharaoh.